1: You can listen to the full show weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM, Bite Nation, channel 156.
0: Welcome to the Busted Open podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I welcome the greatest of all time to the show and discuss WWE Super Showdown from last week in Jeddah. That's right, the 16-time world's champion, And two-time WWE Hall of Famer, The Nature Boy, Ric Flair, joins us in this exclusive interview about his recent health issues and why he wants to go back to being Ric Flair. Plus, The Undertaker and Goldberg were in the main event of WWE Super Showdown this past Friday. But all anyone wants to talk about are the final 90 seconds of the match. We'll break down exactly what happened in the ring in Jetta, All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Goldberg and Undertaker, for a first time ever, and everyone's talking about it, probably for all the wrong reasons. And the, 90, the last 90 seconds, Bully, was not pretty. But you're talking about two legends, especially when it comes to the Undertaker. A lot of criticism towards Goldberg. And if you really watch that match again, I think a lot of people, if they gave it a second glance might be, instead of criticizing Goldberg, might be praising Goldberg after what especially happened two minutes into that matchup, Bully. I got to tell you, um,
1: for all those criticizing Goldberg, you try to do what he did. You try to do what any of those other guys guys do out there. You try to have a, a main event level match and get your bell rung in the third minute and try to plow through. Goldberg could have very easily have turned around to the ref or take taker and says, I'm out, let's, let, let's get this over with. He didn't do that. He plowed true. He tried. He tried to perform for everybody. There's got to be something to say about that. That's a man's man right there. He could have took the easy way out. Probably made a million dollars for the night, right, Dave? Yeah, I'm sure. Hell of a payday. I mean, it's basically an a la carte show, you know? That, you know, this Prince guy or whatever, at least from what I understand, basically tells everybody, you know, tells Vince, I'd like to see this. I'd like to see this. And then the WWE tries to make it happen. Hey, let's get Goldberg versus this guy. Money's not an object, so we'll just throw it around. And before I get into breaking, you know, breaking that down, I I want your opinion on something because here's the biggest mistake I think the WWE made with Super Showdown. They called it bigger than WrestleMania. What about Super Showdown gave you the perception, even the tiniest bit of a perception, that this was a bigger event than WrestleMania?
0: There, I mean, listen, it was a it was a really nice card, and it's in a stadium, and they had tons and tons of pyro, so the look is there. But this was not a WrestleMania show. I mean, WrestleMania that's the elite card of the calendar for the WWE. You, that, that's the gold standard, bully. You got to stay away from that. Why would you even go near it? You shouldn't because what that does, to me, it lessens the value of Wrestlemania. if you're If you're wanting people to subscribe to the network and they tuned into that show, which was, let's face it, top to bottom, was a good show? It was good. but that was not a great, fantastic show by any stretch of the imagination. And if you're telling people that it's as big or maybe even bigger than WrestleMania, and then we get what we got this past Friday. I think that lessens the value of WrestleMania, in my opinion.
1: I don't. Th- to me, it doesn't lessen the value of WrestleMania. It's just blatantly. I don't know. I don't lying for the hopes of people watching the show. This is not WrestleMania. WrestleMania ha- happens once a year. N- nothing about this show gave me that that WrestleMania esque feel. It's because I know what it is, and maybe, just, maybe that's because um, I'm quote-unquote smart to what it is. Maybe the average wrestling fan doesn't know, so they'll allow themselves to be convinced that, oh my God, this is going to be a bigger show than WrestleMania. We have to subscribe to the network. I'd stay away from all the WrestleMania comparisons. That was one of my problems with the show. Now, what do you want to know specifically about Goldberg and Taker?
0: Well, you said that, and obviously two minutes in, Goldberg hits his head on the post, gets busted open, gets his bell rung, and he still looks strong. Now, most people watching back, and they said the 90, last 90 seconds of that match was not pretty. And everyone goes back to that jackhammer from Goldberg on The Undertaker as where things went awry. When you go back and look at that match, the trained eye, the professional wrestler, when you go back and watch that match, where did things in your eyes go awry? Before
1: the jackhammer. There's a point in the match where Taker puts Goldberg up on his shoulders and gives him a move called snake eyes. Yes. And all, every wrestling fan out there knows what the snake eyes is. It's when you got the guy on the shoulder and you drop his head onto the turn, top turnbuckle. Goldberg took that move. Nothing happened on that move. He took it properly. Taker then hit the ropes, and Goldberg hit Taker with that third spear. That third spear took a lot out of Goldberg. That blew him up pretty good. When you go back and watch right after that spear, you see Goldberg with his head down, and he's gasping for air right there. It took a lot out of him. And right then and there, if if, if you were playing a video game and there was like a strength meter on Goldberg, you would have seen it drop tremendously. Right there is when the gas tank was empty. So now Goldberg starts to pick up Taker and he's going to go for the jackhammer. And I watched this about 100 times. And just to make sure I wasn't wrong, I went back and I watched old clips of Goldberg doing his jackhammer. This is a move that I have taught in my wrestling school. This is a move that just like any other move has certain mechanics. You have to do things a certain way. And not just one guy, both guys have to do things a certain way. Every move is 50 50. You have 50% of the responsibility, and the other guy has 50% of the responsibility. And if both guys do their 50% correctly, you'll get 100% of the move. You didn't get 50 50 here. If you go back and watch when Goldberg gets ready to hit the jackhammer, when he picks Taker up, Taker's legs do not go straight up into the air. Taker's legs. Start, they point at like 10 o'clock. Like if you were looking at a clock, Mm -hmm. his legs go to 10 o'clock. When that weight is away from you, it's very hard to control. But the mistake that Goldberg made almost instantaneously is when he picked up Taker, Goldberg stepped forward. You're not supposed to step forward. At the end of the day, the beginning of this move is a vertical suplex. Goldberg's feet are supposed to stay exactly where they are until Taker is in the vertical position. Goldberg picks up Taker and instantaneously steps forward, thus stepping underneath him and offsetting the balance of the move. I'm doing my best to paint a mental
0: picture here for people. I think you're so doing that, a great job because I, I can picture in my head everything that happened during that jackhammer. So in a perfect world, Dave, Goldberg wants us. Now, and
1: I even went back and watched Goldberg, Jackhammer, Big Show mm-hmm. the, you know, in WCW. It's picture perfect. Everything goes straight up into the air. Goldberg's feet never leave the position that they're in. He gets Big Show vertical. And then does the power slam-esque finish. Not against Taker. The minute Goldberg gets Taker off the mat, Goldberg takes two definitive steps forward. And as soon as you do that, the weight is unbalanced, and you come crashing down. Now, do I put the blame on one or the other? I never put the blame on any one person, in a match, unless it is definitively that person's fault. I told a story last week how I busted open Undertaker years ago at a chair shot. That was definitively 100% my fault. This move is not definitively 100% Goldberg's fault because Taker's legs were sticking out at 10 o'clock. Did Taker mean for his legs to be there? No. Were they there? Yes. Were they there because Goldberg stepped in too soon? Possibly. Nevertheless, both guys were off just a little bit. Actually, let me take that back. Goldberg was more off in that move than Taker was. If Taker's legs would have went straight into the air as opposed to out, we might have seen a different move. I don't think we would have because once Goldberg takes that step forward, that's it. Done. All bets you're, are off. All bets are off. You're coming straight down. Any of these moves that you see happen, Dave, with a vertical suplex or a power slam, or you take any move where both guys are executing them, both guys have a, responsib- a responsibility to said move. Each guy has to do their part perfectly. Think about trapeze artists in the circus. You have one guy who flies through the air and the other guy who catches, right? Yes. If their timing is off, if they're not doing their 50% of the job at any given moment, what could happen? It's going to be an accident.
0: Something's they're going to go crash go and
1: burn. Yep. And that's what happened in that moment in time with the jackhammer. If you go back and watch any of go, go uh, let's take the biggest jackhammer of all time against the big show watch how goldberg gets him up in the air and goldberg stays right where he is his his feet never move forward then go back and watch takers he picks up taker and, and he steps forward right then and there is when the move went wrong like what you're hearing catch busted open live weekdays from 9 a.m to 12 p.m eastern on sirius xm fight nation channel 156 Or on demand with the
2: SiriusXM app. Rick, how are you today? I'm great. Good morning. How are you?
1: What do you say, Nate? How are you?
2: Good, Bubba. How are you, ma'am?
1: I'm great, and as always, it is great to hear you. God bless you.
2: Uh, Thanks. Hey, this time I'm uh, taking the time off to make sure it heals up. So I actually feel the best I have felt, uh, guys, in 10 years.
0: And you know and what? It, uh, listening to your voice, you sound great. You sound healthy. Oh, I feel great. I, I could go out and uh, I can't work out yet, just because.
2: You know, what most people don't know, and I, you know, which I'm willing to open up to now, is I had uh, a total of four different surgeries, and the uh, the fourth being three week three weeks ago today. Uh, but um, I didn't tell anybody about them except. You know, my wife and uh, family, not even tell Ashley because I don't want her to worry about it. Um, But they were procedures. I had a, they went in the first time to look for blockage. I had none. Second time, they put me to sleep and they tried to shock my heart uh, back where the, it go. what what was happening was going into AFib. If you understand anything about medical medicine, where it was into an irregular heartbeat. Uh, That lasted two days. And then uh, the third time I had what's called an ablation, where they go in, it's like soldering um, some stuff in your heart that holds it together. And I was great for three days that time, Um, but uh, it didn't work. So the last uh, technique I went in, and it happened in the middle of the night on Wednesday night three weeks ago, that I, um, I couldn't breathe. And um, it had been bothering me for a couple of days, but this was to the point where I couldn't walk like 10 steps. I felt great about sitting down, but I couldn't breathe. So um, the only way to get myself in the hospital and and follow protocol because of the number of people ahead of me was to go to the emergency room. And even though I was there just straight through, like maybe thirty seconds from door to door, somebody took a picture of me and that's why it went upside down. But then I got there and um and I'm I'm actually glad I went. They found um a blood clot that had been in my leg that broke off that went to my lung. So we got that taken care of. That's why the surgery was put off for uh, three days. Massive amounts of um, intravenously of um, blood thinner, and that was cured up. And then um, I had um, fluid on my heart as a result of anesthesia, from the three other surgeries yeah. I'm, I'm giving this to you as I hear as I'm learning. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I had we had what call was congestive heart failure. So I was taking massive Lasix and actually like lost nine pounds over the weekend. Yeah. Just fluid. Uh, cause I've taken Lasix before, but I always drank, you know, 20 drinks. So that they're balanced out. <laughs> so, And I actually came home and didn't do anything and have it. I went to one signing for Seth Rollins and his friend, which I really enjoyed. But I'm not going back to work until Friday. And uh, this time I'm letting it heal up. Like after I shocked my heart, I got on a plane and flew to London uh, for a signing with all the guys. Because I didn't want, I look forward so much now to seeing all the guys. It was actually in Liverpool and Brett was there and um, Kevin Nash and uh, Bischoff and uh, Scott Hall and uh, Waltman and Jericho was, you know, and I'm sure Bubba feels the same way. And Bubba, you're probably just, what, 38 now? That doesn't matter. (laughs) You're you're a kid. You're a a young guy. Yes, sir. And um, 30 years from now, you'll really appreciate these moments if you're still here. (laughs) and and with me not in your life that's probably more probable (laughs) that's
1: a good point
2: anyway I'm just saying I feel great it's unbelievable Boy, it gave me a whole new a whole new understanding of these kids not kids these elderly people that have emphysema they can't breathe holy crap it's brutal I mean you can't take 10 steps so, but I'm so, great. And thus far, I'm not going every piece of wood in the house. Thus far, everything is great. But I'm actually doing what the doctor said. So, um, And it's working, and hopefully uh, um, it will continue to be like this, and I'll have another 20 years to have fun with you guys. I'll take 10, but I want 20. <laughs> Nate it's great
1: to hear you in such good spirits like Dave said you you, you sound awesome I gotta ask I gotta ask you though about two weeks ago oh no yeah I I definitely will with all due respect two weeks ago you went on that crazy rant right before you went to go go, uh, do the signing for Seth Rollins and you said something to the effect that if I want to have a beer I'll have two and You know, I'm, I'm leading the life that I want to leave. And if I want to be Ric Flair, I want to be, you know, I'm going to be Ric Flair. Can you give us a little bit more insight into, you know, basically what you said?
2: Okay. Uh, And that's a great question because I, and I was hoping you'd ask that. Here's the deal. Um, I came so close to dying in 17. I don't think people understand, um, like 20% chance to live septic pneumonia congestive heart failure da and everybody blamed it on alcohol well what happened was I'd had surgery three years prior to that actually three surgeries one an emergency ap- appendectomy and I've learned this through asking 50 different doctors trust me um emergency appendectomy, where I sat up in bed because I didn't want to stay in the hospital, got a hernia, another surgery for that, and through that I got the intestinal blockage. So three surgeries in 11 days. So it's like one in a million, I've heard this from three different doctors, that that type of um, problem can come back. So apparently I did something that day uh, or in the prior prior couple of days to August 14th of uh, 17, where I did something to cause that because I went septic. I got a leak in my intestine, and yes, my system was probably worn down from all the drinking. But what caused it was a one in a million uh, uh, a one a one in a million thing. uh, a one in a million situation where the intestine can start leaking again. That's what makes you septic, and septic is what can kill you. Oh, I had kidney failure too. It's just major. So it took them, you know, two days to get me ready for surgery, at which I was, and then they had to put me in a coma, and then. So anyway, getting to your question, I decided this time when I woke up. That I was, I had, I got nothing to lose. Does that make sense? Yes. I, I mean, I, I, and I am going to not drink two beers and have an anxiety attack anymore. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that's where I was. If the first time I drank a beer or anything was at my wedding and the two or three beers and the glass of champagne that I had, I went upstairs and the anxiety was so bad that it wasn't worth drinking, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and that, and well, I found out that the drinking isn't what did the drinking. Yes, it warned down my immune system, but it's a result of the uh, the uh, going septic. And uh, so, after four surgeries where they put you to sleep, and that's the unknown, right? I mean, you just never know if you're going to wake up, and that that's a given especially when you've had that many surgeries and especially as you get older. You know, uh, anesthesia, it can be complicated. There can be complications. I just said to myself, "Help," Um, and uh, I'm going to say what I think and what I feel. And uh, I actually had to sit back down and rest for two days after I made (laughs) that. But I was just making a point because I was losing business opportunities left and right because people were thinking, oh, maybe he's not ever gonna come around. And I had to do something that showed some energy. because um, I felt that good. Um and I feel even better now. And I just wanted to be energized and show people that I still had it and uh could be entertaining and have fun and uh and and that's basically that's what that that's what that came from. Not losing not losing opportunities that I have coming up in the future, especially for brand endorsement, where, I, where I've got to be at myself for those three-day uh, um, filming uh, shoots, like I did for um, a company recently out of New England. So, anyway, that's what, that's what brought that on.
0: And I'm sure, like where you're coming from, is that there's, I guess, certain expectations when it's it's Ric Flair. They're they're expecting Ric Flair, and and I'm sure that's what you want to give your fans in the public.
2: Yeah, I know, but I mean, I've had to slow everything down. I I get that, but Bubba will tell you this because you know we not only have been friends for years, but he's an old school guy, um, and. um I have put my body through a lot more than most guys in our business, even though I was never a hardcore guy. I mean, backdrops, upside down, whatever. I even did a couple of those ladder matches when I was in my mid fifties, um, with, with edge or with Matt Hardy or somebody give me the bumps because I wasn't qualified to give them any, you know what I mean? So, um, and it worked out. I wasn't afraid to do it, but I was afraid I'd hurt somebody because I didn't know how to do anything off of a ladder. And at it, and it, um, whatever age you reach in this business, the day you're afraid of getting hurt is the day you need to walk away. And I think Bubba will attest to that. Uh, Bubba obviously hasn't reached that point, and he's still young, and he's still active. He can go through a table tomorrow. Um, He's lucky, you know. Um, look at Mick Foley. Uh, Mick, not so lucky. Not that he's not living a good quality of life, but he's lucky, and he's probably uh, in pain uh, in, in a considerable amount of pain daily that he won't admit to. Because I don't, I know he's not a drug guy. He's not going to load up on drugs and that. because um, he lives too clean? But I look at Hulk. Who was in pain 24-7. Uh, the guys with, uh, you know, continued back surgeries, ongoing hip injuries, hip replacements, knee replacements. I mean, I have none of that. And I've crashed in an airplane, cracked C5, my neck had two rotator cuffs, had a lump on my back that they felt was cancer as a result of the airplane crash, and... Um, Hit by lightning, and then these two deals are these five operations. Well, not five, eight counting at three and 15, and I'm still here. So, um, it's like I posted this morning. I'm not <laughs> making a joke because I'm having so much fun with this YouTube stuff, social media. I'm glad we're talking because I got, anyway, I'm having so much fun with it. I said, God, <laughs> God's garden, the pearly gates, and the devil's afraid of me. So they, they, <laughs> Flair, they keep they're keeping you
0: on earth, Rick, as long as possible.
2: <laughs> I hope so. Uh, hey, this social media stuff—I'm just starting to get the hang of it. I had to call Ed yesterday and say, "Tell me, Becky Lynch isn't really shooting on you?" Oh, my God, I was—it was pissing me off. <laughs> he goes, "Low, Rick, it's a word." <laughs> well you fake out the niche <laughs> well you just exposed that one Rick. <laughs> <laughs> no i You know what i'm saying i just i don't i exposed it, <laughs> it hey hey the, the, the important thing is they had me okay the, oh the, they, yeah, make, they had the
1: hook in your mouth
2: yeah that, that's the important thing and Here's the funny thing. Kevin Nash says it best, and I love this explanation for me. I'm the last traveling world champion. (laughs) And it's the truth. If you look at where I've been, um, I mean, uh, the traveling world champion was really a, a shoot. It was. And I wasn't tough enough to be that guy. I was half tough. Never had, but when you're the traveling world champion and you're going to Japan and you're going overseas and wrestling against people that you've never heard of, I mean, I I feel horrible. David Ortiz shot last night in the Republic, right? Yep. Can I tell you, after being there and almost getting killed twice, wrestling Jack Bonanno in the 80s and taking Piper back the second time where they almost killed us both again? Dominican Republic is a tough place. And now, you know, you people just think that you can go into these islands and everything is like Hollywood. It's not the case. These are tough and they and they, you know, for whatever reason and I know David well. As a matter of fact, he used to always says to me, Oh, I love you. I grew up watching you. I mean, as do so many of the great Dominican baseball players of uh, um but um, that I see, you know, in and out uh, of different events. And um, it just, it, it was tough back then. I mean, I was in St. Troy one night when a guy, when the cops were breaking up a, a match with me and Carlos Cone and somebody shot the horse the cop was on. Uh, you know, I'm over in Japan and I'm literally getting stretched every night, you know, because those guys, indeed, NWA champions, that, you know, they they weren't messing around with Jack Briscoe. They weren't messing around with Terry Funk. They most certainly weren't wrestling around, messing around with Harley, with, with me, you know. <laughs> they didn't feel, they, they weren't intimidated. Let me put it like that. And but I they, had to do that all the time. And, it, you know, I'm wrestling Brody for an hour in Japan. And, and a week later, I'm wrestling Brody for an hour. In St. Louis, sold out, checkered on. Um, and two weeks later, I'm wrestling because the ring didn't show up in Iowa against Bob Brown for an hour on a high school wrestling mat with ropes around it
0: see, for an hour. See, this is Bully, this is kind of like when you have a discussion yeah. about a football player with Ric Flair. It's kind of like you're talking about Tom Brady because Tom Brady's never played a 16-game season because he's always in the playoffs and he's most likely always in the Super Bowl. It's the same thing with Ric Flair. He wasn't having 10, 15-minute matches. Every time he stepped into a ring, he was having a 60-minute match. So that that has to factor in when you look back at the career of Ric Flair.
2: Well, Absolutely. not only that, but uh, a couple of times, you know, uh, counting one on Sunday or on Wednesday, and two on uh, Saturday and Sunday, I could think of three occasions that would be nine hours in one week uh, with with Ricky Morton and Steamboat. Don't don't misunderstand me. A walk in the park in terms of the talent I was with, but there's a lot of times, a lot of guys, an hour was a long night, especially in front of 150 people. So, um, and then getting back to what I was saying is that I've had to be so guarded because of what, you know, you you, you can't say what you say, God forbid, um, about, I can't brag about Ashley. I, I couldn't because, you know, it's, well, it's his daughter. Well, no, I'm sorry. I can say it because I know it. She's the best. You know, we and I,
1: we, we brag about it. her enough on this show, Rick, trust me. We, no, put, no, her o- know, we, we put her know, over know to the I mean? moon because she has earned the right to be put over to the moon, and it has nothing to do
2: with you. Exactly. Here's the deal. And I'm so happy to say that because it's just – I'm at the point now where I'm not going to be guarded or I'm not going to go, um, you know, qualify every statement, which I'm sure we find ourselves doing and saying um, – well i I don't I, I like the guy personally but you know I'm done doing that we're all adults okay and 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 I'm so glad you're here to say that because I, I, she is the best and I'm saying that just like Horton when he wants to be and I tell him right to his face is the best if you factor in size athletic ability and uh um um their career, you know, right now to date. Seth Rollins is great, but he's not Randy Orton. Can he do more gymnastic stuff? Yes. If Orton had to do that, he could do it. Okay? And Seth is de- deceptively strong, which makes him unbelievable. That roll-through stuff he was doing with John Cena, I, it, it, it amazed me. And I text him. And, and the greatest compliment I can get, it's eight words I'll go, oh, thank you so much, Nate. That means a lot coming from you, right? Yep. So that it's for me to be in a point at a point in my life where I should be able to say what I say. I mean, I did Steve's podcast about four months ago, and I called him about five times. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I, and what I had said is, Ashley's not afraid of Ronda Rousey. Well, then I'm thinking. Well, should I say that or not? You know, you know what I mean. And, and and I know the answer. She's not. But is it okay as her dad to say that? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You're not. You're not saying it
1: as her dad. You're saying it as Ric Flair, one of the greatest well, performers know, but, of all but time. But here's
2: the deal. But here's the deal. It's interpreted that way, um, and Bubba knows because he's lived in that dressing room. It's like. Um, The other night, um, I text all the girls. Alexa Bliss is is phenomenally entertaining. I I find her to be so gifted. Uh, Carmella, actually, the the match they had was entertaining. Alexa got to talk. I mean, it was and all three things. And going back to the women at 35, they deserved to be in the main event. And they had... And I hate this word, but they had arguably the best match at twelve thirty at night. And here's the reason: because they had the best storyline, but they ramped it up so high, they were beating each other up with these kendo sticks and chairs to the point where it was, you know, they were, they were working. They looked like Brock beating up Seth with each other. That makes sense. Yeah, they, they took it to that level. You know, and I and I said, God, Nate, N- as a father, you don't want to see your daughter get the shit out of her, but that's what that's what they were doing.
1: Nate, there's and there's no. There's no doubt that Ashley is doing some of the best work in the WWE, as good as the men are doing. And she deserves all the props in the world, whether it's from me, whether it's from you or anybody, she's earned them on her own. But I want to ask you about a different subject real quick. You just mentioned earlier on that you were 55 years old and you were wrestling in ladder matches or whatever you were doing. You were, you were, you know, gig to the gills against Mick Foley and TNA, my question is, did you see the match Goldberg versus Undertaker? I did. Can we please get your thoughts on the match, whether or not you thought the match should happen, how the match went down, just your overall feeling um, you know, from you?
2: Um, well, the overall feeling is this. They opened up hot. I loved it. And I loved the match up until the last minute and a half. And um, I am here's the deal: whatever you want to say about anybody in this business, he is going to be on Mount Rushmore if there is one, or I, whatever. There, we keep hearing all this. You can say no wrong about the Undertaker, okay? He is he is a talent of a lifetime. Does that make sense? Yeah. We agree and with Bill you. Bill Goldberg. Bill Goldberg had arguably the greatest run of anybody for years and it still never had anybody spend more than a half hour with him learning the fundamentals of the business. And he pulled it off. And I'm sure, you know, that he's brokenhearted. But I cannot I I'm going to argue without anybody. I mean, it's tough, it, and it's not. It's not factored around age. When I was doing this stuff, I was still. They had me back in the ring on a regular basis. It is so hard to come in and work two or three times a year. It's hard. I mean, they're talking. They're making a big deal about Kevin Durant coming in. Try taking six months off of wrestling and getting in the ring. And and climbing uh, on a Stairmaster or an elliptical is not the answer to getting in the ring and going full speed. And, and I I mean, that's my hat's off to Hunter. I don't know how he does it. You know, I mean, I thought he and Randy Orton had a hell of a match. Yep. Old school, yes. But old school is new school. And it was a heavyweight match. Two contenders going at it, right? And yep. they man, and they, they didn't miss a beat. You know what I mean? And Randy is working full time. Hunter works twice a year. That's hard to pull off.
0: You know, Rick, you, you're you're mentioning Triple H and Randy Orton, and I know you mentioned Randy Orton before, and I've said this on the show. Is Randy Orton underappreciated? Because when people talk about the yes. greats of all times, they never yes. really mention Randy Orton.
2: Let me tell you, Randy Orton blew by his dad, Bobby, who I love, and talk to uh, you know, a couple times a year, just like Ashley blew by me. Okay? And I don't care whether given the chance or not. I could never do what she's done. And, I mean, when I tell people that she could have gone to a, a Division I school for four different sports, I'm not lying. I was there. Track and field, gymnastics – not gymnastics because she only re- went to level nine. Um, all-star cheerleading, but she didn't want to do it on a on a uh, all-girls team. She wanted to be a flyer, and she's too tall. But scholarship reign, And basketball – and then she ended up playing volleyball, which she didn't start playing until she was in the ninth grade. So there you go. She was a great the 220. She ran a 513 mile in the ninth grade. Give me a break. But she didn't like it. You know, being her father, I cannot tell you how many times I had to go to school to tell a coach, leave her alone. You know, she can't do three things. You know, you guys want her to. That's great. You know, then, um, you know what I mean? I finally moved to the public school because uh, don't just because you're paying tuition in a private school doesn't mean you have any say when a coach wants to win. They want to win. Rick,
1: I just want to bring and, you and- back. I just want to bring you back real quick to this whole uh, Goldberg versus Undertaker thing, and it has to deal with the, the, the respect level. A lot of fans on social media have been very vocal about Goldberg and whether or not Goldberg should have been in the ring and whether or not this match should have ever happened. How do you feel when fans are so blatantly disrespectful to a performer despite the fact that that performer gave it his all and tried to be a warrior in that ring and pushed through?
2: Um, Well, obviously, I don't like it, but that doesn't mean that they can't have their opinion. Uh, I I think that, um, and I mean, I don't have an agenda here. I'm never going to stop telling you how good the Undertaker is, just like Bubba. Bubba couldn't say a bad word about the Undertaker if he wanted to. He's a man's man that has been, uh, if if example, point point in case, if he had ever gone to WCW, and pulled up or became difficult, I mean, you could have changed the world. He was that big of an influence, you know. Um, it's like, you know, it, it, there's just some guys that are so damn good. And I can't let a minute or two uh, as a result of fatigue define anybody. Because, you know, it's funny. If they had gone one minute more perfect and hit and hit it, Everybody be going, God, it was great. Because when I, I thought, Oh my God, they got me again when he hit when he hit him with a spear, I said, Here goes the Brock deal, right? And then he came out of it. I mean, I, I thought they started out great, and those same people that are critiquing this are when he was walking along the top rope taker and dropping on his arm, we're going, God dang, he can still do it, right? Oh. What does their opinion mean? What? you? What, what, what? A minute and a half? I mean, Shawn Michaels carried me for thirty guys, and I get credit for being in that. The only thing I give myself credit for at WrestleMania twenty-four is being at the, in the Citrus Bowl.
0: <laughs> I think he did a little bit more than that.
2: No, so, guys, I swear to you, Shawn said to me, "Will you please, just once in your life, keep your mouth shut?" with different verbiage, and let me do this. And then I went out there, and because I'm not used to doing that, I messed up a little bit, but he recovered. Nobody knew it. But I never said true words. He he carried me, and that's just the way it's going to be. And I'll, God, I'll take credit for being there. I think it's the greatest retirement weekend of any athlete in any sport whether it be baseball, football, I've been to Cooperstown, I've been to um, Canton, I've been everywhere like that. Uh, The three days for me throwing in raw will be something that is special and uh, I don't see it being duplicated. Um, And I've got nothing but, but, uh, you know, the the fondest memories. Um, I think I went to TNA. Uh, number one, I needed the money because I was going through multiple divorces, but I think I went there to drink with Bubba. <laughs> I didn't accomplish <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> Bubba. hey, Bubba, Bubba, tell Dave, what was the first thing I said to you when I saw you on TV? Are Make- you going to stay out? Are you going to stay
1: out tonight? Right, cuz I lived yeah. close I lived close to the building yeah, and whenever right. and whenever uh, basically when you told me to go out I didn't have a choice. I had to go drink red wine with Rick.
2: Oh, that's not true. You pulled up on me a couple times. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey let me think about it. I got I got uh, 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 uh. Yeah,
1: but you did the same thing to me when I brought out the Jack Daniels.
2: Exactly. Hey, and I always will. Listen. <laughs> What take her I lost one watch and damn, you lost another.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, Rick, you mentioned because you mentioned Shawn Michaels and you mentioned before that, you know, you know, the gloves are off, you know, after everything that you've been through, you're not going to bite your yeah. tongue anymore. You're going to be honest and truthful every time you have a microphone yeah. in your hand. You know, you had the, the second video on YouTube and you mentioned Shawn yeah. Michaels that, you know, he was a little judgmental. And who is he to be judgmental? Um why? Why Shawn Michaels? Because I know you respect the hell out of Shawn Michaels, and you know, is this part of the new Ric Flair that we're seeing?
2: No, I—I'm gonna I, I tell you. I, first of all, I just said what what I said. I meant because he hurt my feelings, not because I'm questioning who he is as a wrestler.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, Jim Ross. I called him Jim Ross and said. Jim out, but you know, Jim was telling the truth. When you open yourself up to something like that, thirty for thirty, you you are um you you're taking the good and the bad. You know what I mean? And that's that's what it is. Um, I didn't like what my own kids said about me, but <laughs> um, you know, because you think um, and anybody that knows me knows that if I have it in my pocket, it's theirs. And I can assure you they all led great lives. Um, Was I there? No. But um, here's the deal. If you think the kids, um, and they do, it's a tough schedule to this day, an extremely tough schedule. But you can't even compare it to not going home for three months to four months, literally. And then um, going to Mexico and staying down there and, flying from Mexico. I mean, that story I tell over and over again Where right? I was in Florida all week long wrestling Barry for an hour and then the double shots with Barry and Rotundo for an hour each one, Billy Jack an hour, Dusty an hour, you know, and then having to fly to Japan knowing that I had to get off the plane um, and wrestle Jumbo for an hour, Tenryu for an hour, and Jumbo three separate nights. I completely broke down. I drank I drank, I wrestled Butch Reed for an hour in a cage. Here's Eddie Graham. In the old um, the aluminum building, sports arena in Orlando, one hour in a cage, 110 degrees, and you can't use the cage as a weapon. Okay, Eddie, thank you.
0: <laughs> Got to get kind of but creative in that 60 yeah, minutes. I mean,
2: that was Eddie. You just came up with everything, right? And, uh now I put a blade on every finger I had in my hand. <laughs> 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 hey, and all of a sudden, Bush Reed's head became harder than Bobo Brazil. <laughs> 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 hey, I wrestled Bobo for an hour. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You guys, <laughs> I, I, I the myth. There's, there's a method for this madness, you know.
0: <laughs> I'm sure there's been more than one wrestler that 45 minutes into the match was probably begging you to please pin me so we could end this match.
2: Oh, God, Minnie. But uh, you couldn't. I mean, it just <laughs> – Hey, listen, I was begging myself then. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, it's like this the deal with the title range, right? So – New Zealand, right, having fun with Harley Race. Who doesn't have fun when you travel with Harley? And anybody that didn't, believe me, guys, he was the real world champion. <laughs> he looks at me and he goes, we're sold out in Auckland. And he goes, hey, Rick, uh, Christchurch tomorrow night's going to be in a light. Uh, let's do, um, I can't think of the promoter's name, um, Rick, uh, Steve, Steve Ricard. Let's do Steve a favor and uh we'll switch the title tonight and uh I'll give it back to you tomorrow. Uh what do you think? And then he pulls on tomorrow world. And I go, Oh, okay,
1: Holly, but what did they find out? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll handle I go don't worry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Rick, man, the they're calling the next day because who was there that they, they came on the trip with Paul Bosch, of all people, called uh, called either I, I think Geiger was the president. Um, <laughs> they're screaming at me, and I I said to him, I said, you know what? Why don't you scream at Harley? Good luck with that. See how that, see how that works, fine Yeah, okay. I I just hung up. <laughs> he goes. His last words were like, I, after we switch it again, he goes, I told you I'd handle it. I said, what did you handle? What did you handle? There's still so screaming at me.
0: <laughs> Rick, you are awesome, man. We, we love when you come on. You are truly the greatest of all time. We love you. and Thank you. Thank you so much for the time, as always.
2: Oh, uh, Thank you, guys. And much respect to you. And, uh, um, you know, I just feel honored that you guys, um, I mean, I can't, Respect and everything as you get older, and to have your respect means a lot. So thank you so much.
1: Rick, As always a pleasure talking to you, and uh, I'm so glad that you're feeling well, and I hope to see you soon. Thank you very much for coming on, brother.
2: Oh, Thank you guys very much. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks for listening. Catch us weekdays on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156, the Busted Open Podcast.